Well, good morning, everyone. It is great to be here this morning and be a part of your Bible class. I appreciate you inviting me to come and be a part of your Bible class and part of your worship service. Uh, it's been a while since I've been here. It's, uh, I think, around 20-something years since I've been here. But it's great to be here and be a part of your Bible class once again. Uh, if you got your Bibles, uh, go ahead and open them up to Ephesians, the first chapter. Ephesians, the first chapter. Ephesians is a great book. I, I hate to say I have any scripture I love above other scriptures, but uh, concerning the church, I love the book of Ephesians. I love everything that pulls away from it, what Paul is trying to direct us as Christians. Uh, we're going to look at it, and there's going to be points that we pull from it. I don't have time to uh, right now just to grab everything that each verse has through it. We're going to look at a particular point in it. But uh, Paul, seemed, to him, I believe Ephesians was a very special place. The way he approached it, the way he'd come to it there. Uh, Paul makes very strong points throughout that first chapter of Ephesians. Now, there's a particular point that I want to look at, uh, what time that we have together. And it's the fact of all the verses that contain the fact of where it says it is in Christ we have these things. It is in Him we have these things. It is in whom we have these things. Now, if anybody's got any questions as we go through it, stop me anywhere you want to stop me in this and uh, make a point or we'll talk about it also in this. Paul spent nearly three years at Ephesus there. When you're in Acts 19 chapter, uh, if you back up a little bit at the end of Acts, the 18th chapter, his own second missionary journey, he comes into Ephesus, he's not there just momentarily there. He just stops there from going for, uh, through Corinth, stops there, leaves Aquila uh, Priscilla there. Quill and Priscilla talked to Apollos, if you know those stories right there, and explained to him a more perfect way of truth there. Then you have Acts 19 chapter with Paul when he returns to Ephesus. And who does he find there? He finds disciples there, but they're disciples of John. And he teaches these disciples, and they're obedient. And from these clustered groups probably of working together, this is the beginning of the church at Ephesus there. Later, Paul will address the church at Ephesus once again, or the elders at Miletus. Of course, most of us know Revelation, the first chapter, I mean, be uh, on further down than that, be the third chapter, uh, where he's talking about uh, the seven churches of Asia, with Ephesus being one that, once that is emphasized. But Paul had a special relationship with the church at Ephesus there. There's many things that was going on at church that are just within Ephesus itself. The Temple of Diana, or depending on what version you have, it'd be Artemis. Uh, one of the seven wonders of the world was there. Uh, Paul, in the 19th chapter, he's forced to leave there. <coughs> in fact, that is, Demetrius, the silversmith, just stirred up so much trouble that they had to leave. It is one of the prison epistles. Uh, it's written probably around the same time as the book of Colossians. But let's look at some of this now as we start in the first chapter of there. Like I said, I'm not going to read every verse. We're going to point out certain things, such as the fact that he's talking about 
Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who have blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. These things are found. Now, as I said, I'm not going to pick out every point that these contain this morning. I'm looking in particular at the points where it contains throughout this chapter when it talks about something is found in Christ. Something, you know, it may say in Christ, in him, in whom these things are found. Even as we start in verse 1 there, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Paul is an apostle of Jesus Christ, and this is being addressed to the saints and the faithful, not two different groups. This is one group in its description of the same group of people, the saints that are there, the faithful in Jesus Christ. <coughs> Paul's appointment uh, was from on high. Paul had to emphasize the fact many times, because many were teaching the fact that Paul was not an apostle. Why would many try to point or try to push that point to the fact that Paul was not an apostle? It would be to the fact, as many would state today, if Paul is not an apostle, everything he says, I don't have to follow it. I can do as I please in this. So Paul had to repeatedly emphasize throughout all of his letters, not all, but many of his letters, to the fact that I am an apostle. I have been appointed by God through Jesus Christ. What I am saying is true here. You must listen to this fact. I have been appointed by on high. Paul was not an, a self-appointed apostle. Uh, words that he was saying was directed him uh, by God through the Holy Spirit being directed unto him. This is addressing the fact, very first thing, it's addressing authority. It's addressing the authority that this came from God. Anything I state is from God. If we don't follow the teachings of Paul, it's just not the teachings of Paul you're not following. You're not following God. You're not following the will of God. Sad to say, you know, silly as it may think that I'm stating and things like this, that, that are people like that today. I Sadly, I talk to people, and many will specify to the fact, well, we'll follow the, you know, we follow after Jesus. We follow Jesus, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know, whatever Jesus has said, that is what we do. We follow after love of Jesus Christ. And amen to that. I believe in following the love of Jesus Christ. Um, also, if I was following Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I would also be sacrificing animal sacrifices at the same time because that's what Jesus was living under at that time. Uh, we are to follow after the whole counsel of God. This is just establishment of that authority right there. That we are to follow every bit of this. Yes, we are to love Jesus Christ. But you, what is said in the Bible about that fact? If we love him, we will do what? Yeah, you're going to follow him. You're going to keep his commandments. So 
It's that plain and simple in that fact. We love him. We'll keep his commandments. We'll follow after him in his truth of his word right there. It's just simply establishing this from the very beginning of that fact of our faith in Jesus Christ. That is stronger than uh, anything else that man, man-made doctrines or anything else out there. We are to follow after the love of Jesus Christ, but if you follow the love of Jesus Christ, you do what he has said for us to do in our lives. This letter is addressed to you and I also, which I hope you're saints and faithful in Jesus Christ in this. Not a separate group again. It's just a description of the same people there. It's Jews and Gentiles both that he's talking about in this. Going down to the third verse here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who have blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly place. Where? In Christ. I think this is, this is the emphasis verse of the whole chapter right here. That is where he's staging everything from. It's right here. He's blessing us with every spiritual blessing in Jesus Christ. Where can it all be found? In Jesus Christ. That's the point of the whole chapter. Everything else that I'm going to talk about that we have time of is in Christ. It's built upon that fact, every spiritual blessing. It is not found anywhere else. We have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in Jesus Christ. Blessings more than I deserve. For I don't deserve any of it. Far more than all of us deserve in this. Now, what are some of the blessings? They're numerous. There's the other things I'm going to talk about, what time we got, are contained in that thought. Uh, What it's going to contain through after, about our forgiveness of our sins and things of this nature. These are spiritual blessings. It's more than what this chapter can even contain of what spiritual blessings that we have in Jesus Christ, found in Him, found in Christ. I'm afraid we don't appreciate our spiritual blessings. I'm afraid we don't appreciate them. Uh, (coughs) God gives us so much. You know that? I mean, my cup runs, runs over every day of the blessings that He gives me. And you, that you receive in this. But if I don't appreciate those spiritual blessings, and how do I not appreciate them? I, I, well, I just don't live after them. I don't live for God. That's how I don't appreciate them. Uh, if I don't appreciate them, I'm no better off than the old cow out in the fields, how I'm living my life, the old dog at the house. All I'm trying to do is eat and sleep. I lay around. I try to entertain myself at times. And that's it. You live like an animal. Are you trying to live your life like an animal? If you don't appreciate the blessings of Jesus Christ in this. We have access as Christians to these things. God gives gifts to all mankind. Uh... I don't think there's very few mornings I ever miss a sunrise. I mean, if you can see it, sometimes it stays 
dark up in the day, cloudy, I can't see it, but I see sun, about every sunrise every morning, see them in the evenings. That's a blessing of God right there. Sunshine, rain that we have, blessings of God. You know, who do they come on? Everybody. Everybody receives these blessings. I don't care if you're a child of God or not, you still receive these blessings. But there is so many blessings that we have in this life that's given to all mankind. But they're nothing compared to what he gives us as Christians. It's not nothing compared to the blessings that we have in the heavenly places that are in Christ Jesus. They don't compare to anything of that nature. The gifts, like I said, are listed here in just a moment that we're going to look through right here. Uh, he gives gifts to all mankind, but you and I as Christians, his children, we've got special blessings right there. We have greater blessings that he gives to us. Uh, and he shows us, he describes these blessings, he shows us where the location is in Christ. In Christ. Receive these, we would have to have a new heart being in Christ. Uh, many times we don't see to the fact that I feed my physical body, and nobody can deny it. I take care of this pretty good right here. I eat well all the time, but many times I don't feed my spiritual soul. None of us don't feed it as well as we need to be feeding it by the Word of God. We need to feed ourselves the spiritual food. Uh, I want to be an heir. I want to be an heir of God. And the greatness of his promises that he's going to describe here in just a moment, the greatness of his promise, the fact that I can inherit because God has adopted me as one of his children there. It is so priceless of what he has given me. God wants you to have all his spiritual blessings. It's not just in heaven, by the way. That's the biggies. That's the biggie. But while you're living here, you've got spiritual blessings. Uh, you, your cup's running over. Many times we're letting it run over the floor and don't even know it, of how much he's giving us each and every day. But you've got to be in Christ to receive. Got to be in Christ to receive. Let's go down to verse 4 in a section right in there, Greg. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love, <coughs> having predestined us to an adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. What can we find? What is the blessing that we find in Christ? He chose us. Verse 4, top of it. Just as he chose us in him. He chose me. He chose me in this. Do you know what? He chose me before I was even born. I know that might stir some people up in their thoughts. Just bear with me on this for just a second. He, he chose me before I was born. He chose you before you were born. He chose you before the world came to existence here. He chose you. He chose me. He chose us and 
again, just give me a moment to explain this, because sometimes this, this sort of stir you up a little bit. He chose us and predestined us into the adoption of Jesus Christ. You might say, you talking about we're predestined to go to heaven or hell? Absolutely not. I'm saying God in his foreknowledge is what he's trying to say there to us. God in his foreknowledge knew this was all going to come about. It was in his plans always to put the plan in motion to save us. Now whether you choose it or not, God chose you. Now whether you choose God, it's a totally different story in this. He chose us to the fact that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That we should be holy without blame. We should live for God every day that we live here upon the earth. We should choose to follow after him. God shows you he's predestined, meaning in fact it's always God. It wasn't an afterthought that God had to save you. It was not. It wasn't that man messed up and now what am I going to do? God, his infinite knowledge, knew even that we would mess up. And he had a plan ready. That plan's his son. That plan's been his son in this. That he would save us. He would save those who would obey him. He, God chose us. Now, whether you choose God is a totally different story. We have been chosen in that sense and predestined because it's been in, always in a plan of God to do this. That's what he's meaning in this. He's not saying here, as many may try to speculate to the fact that, well, God, you know, he picks and chooses who he wants to save in predestination. That's what it's meaning. That's absolutely a lie. God, many speculate to the fact, well, God, well, you will go to heaven, you will not. You, you, you will go to heaven, no, you, this group over here will not. That's election and predestination. That is a joke. It is such, so contrary to the word of God, and that's not what he's even saying here. Many want to believe that fact. You know why? I can do anything I want to after that if I believe this. I can do whatever I want to in the fact that it doesn't matter if I serve God or not, I'm already predestined. I've never heard anybody talk about being predestined to go to hell, though. They all feel like they're predestined to go to heaven. Uh, that we can do whatever we want to. False. Absolutely false in all of this right here. God wants you to be saved. He's predestined his plan for you to be saved. That you can come and be obedient to him. We should be holy without blame in our service and our love towards God. We must be in Christ. Not that I deserve it. God is not, I didn't merit his, this salvation and this gift that he's given to me. I just, I was chosen by God before I ever chose God. His plan, he chose me before I ever chose him in this. But yet you and I must decide to follow him and obey him. God knows his plan is for everybody to be saved. He wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He wants every one of us that you make the choice to serve him. 
Why does God want to save us? Last sentence right here. According to the good pleasure of his will. God wants to save you. This is for his good pleasure. He loves you. He is, it's his good pleasure. His, it should be the fact he destroys every one of us. That's what should happen. But instead, it is according to his good pleasure that he wants to save each and every one of us. It is by his grace we are saved. It's not of ourselves. It's not my works or anything else like that. I must still be holy unto him and living unto him. Uh, and have been adopted into his family. Be adopted into his family that he will love us and will save us by that adoption. As he talks about this adoption that we have, uh, we are predestined us to the adoption of his sons. This is more special than King James Version or New King James, which are one you're using. It's more special than what the words can just pull out of that right there. When it says that God has adopted you. Uh, it means to the fact, many people when they're adopted today, I bless everybody that, does, that has been adopted and does get adopted. You know, that's great. Uh, but when somebody's adopted, this family may raise them and give them their name. Uh, but under the Old Testament time period, if I adopted someone, they might take my name, but that necessarily mean they'd have the full rights of my name. That's not what this word means right here. Adoption's totally different than that, what it means here. You, you just lose it in how it translates to English. It's mean, in fact, full rights. It's just like you were born in the family. You, it's just when you're adopted by God, you're born in the family now. Not just the born in the family, it means firstborn in the family. It even means more than that. Meaning you have full rights of the gifts that he's given you. You have, in the Old Testament, they call it the double portion of blessings that he wants to give each and every one of us. We have all of that that is available to us as we enter into him through baptism. There is no election to this as we try to twist that old word predestination around. That's not what it's meaning right there. It means God always knowed he wanted to save you. He always put the plan in action right there. And he wants us to be, obey him and come unto him. Let's go into another section right there, Greg. Uh, to praise the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted and beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood. Now this is one of the biggies right here, isn't it? Uh, I mean, many times when I've, I've probably preached, no telling time how many times, you know, pounding that verse out right there. The great spiritual gifts that we get from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that's found in him is redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. That, if it didn't run chills up the spine, it ought to. I'll put it that way. All these are great gifts right here. This is a biggie to me. I don't deserve it. I am a sinner. 
I am a sinner, but through Jesus Christ, I have redemption and forgiveness of my sins. In this, according to the riches of his grace. In this. It is in Christ that these things are made possible. It is in Christ through his blood that this is possible. It is in Christ that I have forgiveness. Redemption simply means to the fact he bought me. He bought me back. I was, I was living some other way and he bought me back out of my captivity and slavery that I was in. I was in a captivity, and this is the ransom that was paid for me. Jesus did this for us in our lives here. I deserve to be punished for my sins. Oh, our, our, we all deserve to go to hell. You may not like me to say it that way, but we deserve this. It's, but God has made a plan of action that we don't have to be. You know, our wage of sin is death. This is what we deserve right here. Jesus shed his blood for us. He did this for us. His blood washes away our sins that we have redemption and the forgiveness of our sins. You might say, well, this is for new converts or uh, somebody needs to come to Jesus. This is written to Christians. Do not forget the spiritual gifts that you have been given. This being one of them right here. To this fact, redemption's price has been paid by the blood of Jesus Christ. Price is paid to who? You ever thought that? Well, you, you say, well, that's sin's price. Well, that's partly true in that. Who is the price paid to? Who did, you know, Jesus Christ is the price for our sins? Well, who did he pay to? That's not really who he's meaning when he's talking about here and having redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, of buying us back. He's talking about the fact it's paid to God. It's paid to God. Sort of gets confusing when you think about it, doesn't it? God gave the gift, and God receives the gift back as the payment. That's what he's meaning. We're alienated from God. We've been alienated and put aside by our sins. We cannot be made right in the eyes of God again until the fact <coughs> that a price has to be paid, a covering made that we can be right in the eyes of God once again. That is redemption. The price is paid to God for the covering. To be the covering for my sins right there. Pay the price to God. He gave the gift and paid himself back. <laughs> you know, that's what it gets to. That's, that's a, you know, we call it overly generous. You know, and it is. It's overly generous for what he's given to us. It's the price paid to cleanse us. Make us holy in God's sight in this. It cleanses my conscience, i got to forgive myself, too. I've got to at times. 
If I don't, I wall her in my guilt. Never will accomplish anything for God in my life if I don't forgive myself. But I've got to be forgiven by God to forgive myself in this so that I can serve my Father. We contact his blood by our baptism into his death in this. The redemption is made possible by the blood of Jesus Christ. It is available to us by God's grace. It is by and according to the riches of his grace. This is the priceless gift God gives you. God has given it to you. It's not something I earn it or I merit. God gives it to me when I come to him in baptism. It's a gift. We say, well, he's, that's, that's mercy. Well, it's, it's just not mercy. Mercy means that really to the fact, mercy and grace go hand in hand, by the way. Mercy is to the fact that I deserve to be punished and God's not, God extends mercy and doesn't do this. <coughs> Why he doesn't do it is because of grace. It's a gift. Grace is the guilt side of it. Grace is a gift that he gives to us. I don't have no claim on it myself. I did not merit the gift whatsoever. Our redemption and the price it was paid was paid by God through his son, Jesus Christ. The evidence, the supreme evidence of all of this, grace. And then let's go to verse 8 right here. Uh, as he talks about and uh, the, some more of the why in this right here. It is in fact that we have abounded toward us. It's all in wisdom and prudence in this. And prudence is like a understanding and then a special insight into us. God's plan for our salvation, we can understand it and we should appreciate it. That's what he's talking about. It's done in all wisdom. We have an understanding of God in this. God, is anything I said so complicated none of us can't understand? No. It's that simple. It's to the fact it is the wisdom of God and it's prudence to the fact it is, I can understand it, it is so remarkable what God has done, but yet I can understand it. I can understand it and obey it. Forgiveness is here, and it's not found nowhere else. It's not possible outside the blood of Jesus Christ. It has been purchased for us by our God. We're redeemed by the, his sinless life. But we're redeemed by more than that. We're not redeemed totally by his sinless life. He, that makes him the perfect sacrifice now. That made him the perfect sacrifice it's not just his moral, great moral example, which Jesus was a great moral example, that prepared him for to be the sacrifice. We're redeemed by the blood. We're redeemed by the life he gave at Calvary. That's what you're redeemed by in this. That is the total payment that he made for us at Calvary for each and every one of us. Uh, 
Let's get down to about verse 10, Greg. Where he talks about another section right there about another, well, it's really two thoughts contained in one, and we're going to look at it sort of that in the dispensation of the fullness of the time. He might gather together in all things, one in all things, in Christ, both which are in heaven and earth, or which are on earth in him. Two things he's talking about, yet it's the same thing. What is found in Christ? What is found in him? He's going to gather all things together in Christ. I don't care where it's at. I don't care if it's in heaven above or it's on earth. All are gathered in Jesus Christ. It's all in him, all these things. This is the ultimate plan of God. Bring it all together in Jesus Christ. All things are resolved in Jesus and no one else. This is when it all comes together in Christ, made possible uh, God's wonderful plan that he has of salvation and reconciliation for all humanity is in Jesus. It's in Jesus. The word also, when he, he might gather together, you know, it's reconciliation. Part of it means reconciliation or uniting. We sometimes call it something else. You know, you had a tally of figures down here and you add them up at the bottom. We call it the sum at the bottom. You got it. It's where it all adds up to. You know, that's how you also can say it all adds up in Jesus. Everything that God's ever done, when you open up Genesis 1 and 1, and go all the way through the end of the Bible, it all adds up in Jesus. That's what he's trying to say. It all adds up in him and no one else. He is the final sum of all things of God's plan here. He wants us to unite us in all things under him and bring it all together in Christ, which it is brought all together in Christ. He wants to unify our lives together in him. Uh, he doesn't want us to have our lives divided as Christians. Um, too many times I've talked to people, and sometimes we believe this. Okay, today I'm a Christian. Today I'm living spiritually. Tomorrow, well, we'll see tomorrow. I go to work. You know, today I live my spiritual life. You don't live 24-7 for Jesus Christ. You're not living for him at all, period. You live for him every day, every hour of the day. We're to live for him constantly in our lives here. Uh, it's not a part-time job you've got with Jesus. It's not a part-time job that you have with him. The sum of it is Jesus. It's a day of great reconciliation and deliverance made possible through him. All of creation. You know, Jesus created all things also. Read, read the first chapter of John. He was there. He, he brought it in creation. And all of creation, the, the sins that we do, and Satan being here on the earth, and all the evil that's on 
creation is groaning under the strain. You can read that in Revelation, but it's groaning under the strain of what man is doing to it. Satan is doing to it. And Jesus is the sum of the relief. He brings it to an end. He brings it all to an end. He is the day that the great, uh, great resolution is made to all things. There, a day when we stand before the Almighty God. I'm always bad to say this too. I say a day when you stand before the Almighty God. Uh, we're going to be before the Almighty God. Standings might be a different story right there. The more I think about it, and I know I'm changing my subject a little bit, but I think the day I stand before, or again, I said it, stand before the Almighty God, I think I'll be on the ground. I think we're all going to be on the ground. We're going to be on our knees before the Almighty God, close as you can in reverence towards him. Uh, but there's going to be a day that we are before him anyway. We will be before him. We're going to be judged. Everything that's wrong is going to be righted. Every matter resolved to God's, you know, love and justice. We have a just God. Just God means that he's going to reward the faithful and he will punish the wicked. That's what he says. That's what he explains in his word there. Uh, let's go to verse 11. In verse 11, we sort of look at this point here already. It is the fact in whom we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who work of all things through the counsel of, of his, gra or his will. We have obtained an inheritance by him in this. It is in him that we have an inheritance. And so the fact when I come and I was buried in baptism with Christ Jesus, I was washed in the blood, not only have I been cleansed from my sins, not only was it by the plan of God that he wanted all of us done, it is by the fact now I have an inheritance. God just doesn't call me, you know, James is my son. I inherit. I inherit with him I have an inheritance of God John 14 chapter where he talks about there uh, you know let not your heart be troubled you believe in God believe also in me in my father's house are many mansions this is for his children this is our inheritance that we can obtain in this right here the fact that we can receive just not only an inheritance, but we can receive doubly in that fact of that inheritance. This is when God's plan all comes together in all things. This is his will and what he works for each and every one of us. I'm assuming, I guess, class time is pretty well about over right now. So I'll just wrap it up right there. Do not forget this, uh, no matter what I said. All spiritual blessings are in Christ. It's not found anywhere else, and you will not find them outside of Christ. This is the only place they will find. You will not go to heaven without Christ.